0: As you find your seats, will you please turn with me in your Bibles. 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to be there in John 1 and Genesis 1 as we celebrate the light of the world that comes and shines into our darkness. All right. How many of y'all have already decorated your Christmas trees? Are they done? Decorated? Uh, This week, uh, we had the privilege of decorating our Christmas tree twice. Uh, we, uh, Tuesday night was the first time we did it. It was the only night that we had that we didn't have any other plans. And so we said, we're going to have some family fun decorating the Christmas tree and everybody's going to enjoy it and you're going to have a great time. So you better sit there and smile and have fun decorating the tree or get up and do it. You know those times that as parents, you just want them so bad to be those memory makers, you know, and you're just wanting everything to be perfect and, Sometimes they just aren't. Well, we actually did have a pretty awesome celebration uh, on Tuesday night, and uh, the next day we came into the house, and uh, our dogs apparently didn't like the tree and the uh, where it was in the window, and there it is, knocked over, and some ornaments are broken, so, and by the way, it's interesting, the trees that we get here in Florida that they have to wrap up to send to us, you know, once they fall over, it's like an umbrella, <laughs> you know, it all kind of goes like that, and uh, we had to put it back up, and put some weight around it and make sure it won't fall over again and uh, um, stand it back up and put on the decorations that weren't broken in pieces. But thank goodness we didn't lose too many. Uh, There weren't uh, some of our favorites. It was some of the ones I call the backers, you know, put those around the back. That's a good backer. Um, And again, you feel bad when the kids made them. Oh, that's a backer. Uh, You want to, that's definitely the backer. But what we do is, uh, as we're there putting up the, uh, the ornaments, it really is a nostalgic time. I'm sure it is for your family as well. And you remembering where you got the ornaments. Well, I try to milk these things for as long as we can have them and do things like this to torture my kids. All right, I want you all to sit there and I want you to think about your favorite ornament. And when you know your favorite, raise your hand. Don't blurt it out. Raise your hand. We're going to go around. You know your favorite. Very good. Uh, when you know your favorite, uh, uh, once we all have our hands raised, we're going to say which one's our favorite. And the one that really stands out above any other is this one. It's kind of interesting because it's a, it's a beautiful house. It's a, a house that uh, is, is made uh, of clay and um, painted nicely. But really, there's, there's no nostalgic value to this house. I mean, we certainly don't live in this house. And matter of fact, we never even visited a house that looks like this. There's nothing about this house that makes us think, oh, do you remember when? But one thing that this ornament has that makes it our favorite, it has a, a little spot underneath that you can string a Christmas light, by the way, yellow's the best, and you put it in there, and it glows. And it just is warm, and it's beautiful, and, and you can't help but be drawn to it. Of all the uh, the Christmas tree ornaments, those that are fronters and those that are backers, uh, this is the one that seems to captivate our eyes, because as the light shines through, there's there's a warmth here. As the light shines through, there's just a beauty here. It just kind of feels cozy. It feels Christmassy. It feels right. Really, this is what the text for us this morning has. It tells us that the light of the world shines, it shines into our very hearts. It shines into what Scripture will tell us we are jars of clay. That's all we are. And this, this light of Christ. This light in the face of Christ, revealing the knowledge of God, comes into our lives and it makes it beautiful. It makes it warm and receiving and really an ornament to the Father to delight in as the light of Christ shines even into our very lives. And that's all we are. We're just this clay ornament. That Christ shines into. And we're celebrating the light of the world. And, and we started last week at this uh, discussion seeing that Jesus is the light of the world, that Jesus' story didn't start some 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Jesus' story is timeless. It's before time began. He is the light of the world. And he, is bringing, he has been bringing light into the world since time began. And we're going to have some incredible news this morning that the same light that shine to create all things, that same light is the light that shines in our hearts. So journey with me in God's word together. And we're going to start in John 1 as we did last week and make our way through God's word. I'm going to, I printed it out to keep from flipping all over the place. But uh, if you'd like to do that, that's fine. And the words will be behind me right here. But we're going to start off with John's gospel, John 1. Let's be mindful that we're reading God's very holy and errant word. And the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him, and this Word, this Word made flesh, Jesus, this Word that created all things, in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. It shined and it continues to shine in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Or as we looked at last week, the darkness didn't understand, nor did the darkness overcome this light. You think of John, and immediately you think of Genesis. So let's go to Genesis 1. And Genesis 1 tells us a parallel story. The same story from Moses' vantage point. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep or the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good and God separated the light from darkness God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. And then we know what happened. We know that man sinned and rebelled against God. And we know that darkness started to take over the entire earth. But there was a prophet Isaiah. And read with me Isaiah 9 uh, 2 and 6. In your heads, I'll read. The people who walked in darkness, Isaiah tells us, will see a great light. Those who lived in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Verse 6, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness, from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And now the text that we will settle in today in 2 Corinthians 4. For God who said, Light, shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Let us pray together. Oh, Father God... Oh, how desperately we need to have your light shine upon us today. Oh, Father, we ask that the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of light would come and open up our minds so that we can understand the truth, the truth that you would send your Son, very God, very man, to come and to shine into our darkness. God, we ask you to open up our ears so we can hear the voice of, of our shepherd and follow. Oh God, would you shine your light into our hearts so we can embrace this incredible Christmas story and that you would still drive out the darkness that remains in our hearts. And oh Father, would you shine so gloriously so that you would light our path before us so that we can walk in your Son's light in a manner worthy of the gospel, that we truly can tell your story to others. Oh, come and shine. Spirit, that shine the light to illumine the writers of Holy Scripture, come and shine the light into our minds so we can understand. For your glory and your glory alone, we pray. Amen. Second Corinthians 4, 6 tells us incredibly... That there is light, the same light that created all things, this light shines in our hearts. It shines in our hearts and it brings to us the light and the knowledge of God seen in the face of Christ. Now listen, it tells us that it's the very same light that shined in the beginning. It's the very same light that shined in the darkness as time began. So we think back to Genesis and we think of how it was without light. How it was without the presence of God and light. And we see in the beginning there was, there was darkness. And there was formlessness. There was chaos. There wasn't any meaning. Everything was void of meaning. Everything was empty. Nothing had beauty to it. And God had to come. And he had to come with this light. And he had to speak into the darkness and drive it away. And when God's light shines, here's what happens. Those things that are formless... Those things that have no beauty in and of themselves become beautiful. Those things that are empty. Those things that are void. Those things that that really have no meaning. The light of Christ comes and shines and they now have meaning. They now have purpose. Those things that were dead. Those things that have no life. The light of Christ comes and shines and and life is created. And paradise is created in God's light. Here is the unbelievable truth of the Christmas story. That the same light that came into the darkness and came to bring beauty in that which was formless, came to bring fullness to that which was empty, came to bring life to that which was dead, is the very same light that shines in our lives. And it shines in our lives through the face of Christ. And it reveals to us the knowledge and the glory of God. And it does the same thing that it did in the beginning. It's used in the same way. The light that that comes and shines over the face of the earth. What was over the face of the earth before the light came? It was just darkness. Darkness covered the face of the earth. Well, naturally, on our own, apart from God, darkness covers the face of our hearts. It covers our face of our hearts, and we can't see the light of the gospel. We can't know the Christmas story. We can't understand. And really, when darkness covers our hearts, isn't it true When darkness covers our hearts, we are formless. We are deformed. We don't have any inward beauty when darkness covers the face of our hearts. And listen, isn't it true that a life without God, the one who's created us for himself, when darkness covers our souls and our hearts, isn't it true that our lives are empty? Isn't it true that nothing of the world and nothing of the world's light, nothing of the world's meaning can fill the emptiness? That Really, without the light of Christ, our lives are like what C.S. Lewis would say, they're wintertime continually with no Christmas. Naturally, our hearts are dark. Naturally, the light of God does not shine in our hearts because sin has quenched that light. And there is no beauty. There is no meaning. And listen, sadly, there is no life. But the Christmas story is is the most incredible story that God would love us enough to send His Son to come and to shine as the light of the world. And as the baby in the manger comes, He shines His light upon us and we can know and we can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And here's the incredible story of Jesus and and this, this light that shines. It comes and brings beauty to that which is formless. It makes beauty out of our lives. How is it with you? Do you like the light? I don't know about you, but the older I get, sometimes I want to stay away from the light. You know, light shines on me. And what does it to reveal? It reveals the deformities. It reveals the blemishes. Even this week, I uh, went down to, it used to be channel 52. Uh, I think it's channel 40 something or other. Uh, it's a channel you're all going to go home and watch this week because I'm on it, okay? And uh, But I was there this week and I was telling uh, uh, Rita and Ken about our Living Nativity and how great it's going to be and how excited I am that Zach Van Dyke's uh, taking the charge. A former star of the play is now leading the whole thing. And I'm sitting there waiting for uh, the TV cameras to come on. You know what they do? They run over with a little bit of a uh, a makeup and a little uh, thing and start putting it on my face, saying, You know what? You're shining too much. And the light here is revealing things you don't want the rest of the world to see. The incredible truth of the gospel, the light of the gospel, is this. It doesn't reveal our deformities. It's the blood of Christ and the light of Christ that covers them. It's unbelievable. It's, it's this gospel light that makes us beautiful to the Father. We, jars of clay, we, earthen vessels, with the light of Christ in us, now are beautiful to the Father. He, he doesn't just cleanse us and wash us of our sins. He makes us beautiful. And this is what the light of Christ does. It comes and it makes us beautiful. And not only that, it fills our hearts and it gives us Meaning. It gives us meaning in life that we are His and we are to shine for Him. Our life no longer has to be empty. Our life no longer has to be void. Christ has come. We have seen the glory of God in the face of Christ. And now we can fill our lives with Him. We can fill our lives with His beauty. We can fill our lives with meaning, serving our King. He really does bring light into darkness. He gives us life to shine. And this is good news. The light of Christ is now, ready for this, this is unbelievable. This is what the gospel does. The light of Christ can shine in our hearts and make our very hearts a place where God and man can live together. That's what God did in the beginning when he created paradise, when he spoke light into darkness. He was driving away the darkness and he was making paradise. He was making a place where God and man could dwell together. But our sinfulness has disqualified us from that and has driven us away from his presence. But Jesus, the light of the world, has come. And he's come to shine and to recreate. You see, this light that was used to create the world is the same light that is used to recreate us and to make us beautiful and to give us meaning and to give us life. And you ready for this? And to make our hearts a place where God and man can dwell together. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news of what Christ has done as he comes and he shines in our, lights, in our lives? He comes and makes our very lives a place where God and man can dwell. The light truly is the light of the gospel. This is why we say we have good news of great joy. The light of the world has come. And again, look at verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, four. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they can't see the light of the gospel, the light of this good news. Of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. But by God's grace, Jesus comes and he shines in our darkness. And for those of us who are his, he shines in the darkness of our own hearts. And the same thing that happened in creation happens in recreation. We are made in his image. Light now comes. We have beauty. We have meaning. We have life. We have a place where God and man can dwell together. And now he tells us as we've been studying First Peter this year... He says this in 1 Peter 2, 9. Now, because of the light of Christ, now we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Listen to this. Great titles, but why? So that you and I may proclaim the excellencies of him, Jesus, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know what this means, my brothers and sisters in Christ? It means that now, Christian, we are the Christmas story. We're the Christmas story. No, we're not the center stage story, and we're not the hero. Jesus will always be the hero. We're not changing the story, but now we are the narrators of the story. God has chosen us to tell his story through, to have his light shine through us And now, you ready, my brothers and sisters? Now, we are the face of Christ to this world. Here's the deal. God shines into our darkness. And Christ himself comes and shines into our darkness and reveals God's light and makes us new creatures. And now, he says, you and me, Orangewood, my brothers and sisters, we are the face of Christ to this world They should look at our lives and they should see our Savior. They should see the life that reigns in us, in Christ. Now, because we are the Christmas story, we are to reflect his light. We are to impart his knowledge. But how? How are we really to reflect his light? How does he use a dimwit like me to reflect his light? I can't even seem to glow on my own. Well, if you got up really early this morning, uh, you saw a pretty cool thing in the skies. You saw the three planets came together uh, in a very close cluster and, and, and shine brightly in the dark sky. And they said it's the first time it's going to happen in so and so many years. But really, that's who we are, Christian. I mean, really all we are are, are, are dust, uh, jars of clay that have to align themselves up properly in the sun with nothing else in the way so that we can reflect who he is so we can reflect his beauty so we can reflect his light that is our calling what does darkness do darkness absorbs the light but God has called us and says now that we are the light of the world because he has shined in our hearts that we are to become more like Him, that we are to reflect more who He is, that we are, by God's grace, to say, let the light come and shine and drive away the darkness, not so they will look at me, but so they will look at you. Shine and shine for the glory of God. Shine into darkness. How are we to reflect who He is? We're to get ourselves in a right alignment with His Son. Are you there? Have you come to the place in your life where you realize that that baby born in a manger... Is God's own son? Have you asked him to come into your life and drive away your darkness? Are you still inviting him in to say, come and shine in my life? Because we are the Christmas story now, Christian. And we now have the privilege of reflecting his light by being his face We also have the privilege of imparting his knowledge. Look again at six. The one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of God. Here's the deal, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Whatever we have been given by God the Father, we are to give away. Whatever it is, whatever resource we have as a church, whatever resource we have individually, we are to give away. And if he gives us the light of Christ, if he gives us the knowledge of God and the face of Christ, that is what we are to give away to this dark world. We are to line ourselves up so everybody will look at us and say, wow, to God be the glory. And we are to live our lives in a way that walks in his light, that's different than the world that does not know God. And they'll see by the way we obey his word, by the way we try to drive out darkness and we try to live in the light. That we will impart to them the knowledge of God by the way we live our very lives. We'll have the aroma of Christ. That they'll look at us and say, there's something peculiar. There's something that shines. What is it? And we have the privilege to say, it's the face of Christ. It's the Christmas story that shines into our very lives. We are now to reflect His light and impart His knowledge. Where are we to do that? Where are we to do it? As far as the curse is found. You guys know the song? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Come on. Let earth receive a king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven, heaven, nature sing. The third verse is this. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings far, uh, flow. Listen, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. Here's the deal, my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus Christ has come as the light of the world to shine in our hearts, to give us beauty, meaning, and life, so that we will be the Christmas story, so we will shine for Christ wherever the curse is found. I used to think that's geographic. I used to think that means that we got to go to the ends of the earth. And although that still is true, we do. But where is the curse still found? Where does darkness still reside over the face of our society? Where is it still prevalent in your life? Where is it still prevalent in your family? Where is it still prevalent in our community? That's what I love about what happened last week at Restore Orlando. We went down to shine his lights to Holden Heights because there's a curse down there still. There's a curse still here in Maitland. There's a curse still in Altamont Springs. There's still darkness. As far as the curse is found in your workplace, as far as the curse is found, we need to shine the light of Christ. And the great news is, is we don't have to be really, really obnoxious I was coming back from Andrew Peterson's uh, concert uh, last night, and my kids begged us if we can stop off uh, of Howell Branch and Tangerine there, that one house that makes the Griswolds look like they have one strand of lights. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, and it's unbelievable. You pull in, and, and there they are. I mean, it's just a glow. I mean, you think that every plane probably tries to land there, and I'm sure they can see it from the farthest, remotest parts of space. But anyway, and you might think, what in the world? And Katie and I were saying, what do the neighbors think? I mean, what do they think about this place. I mean, what do you do when you're in the neighborhood? If you try to put up a couple of tactful, a couple of lights, you look like, you know, whatever. If you try to go all out, you're not going to compete with them. And you just have this kind of obnoxious glowing house in in the neighborhood. It's beautiful. But sometimes we think about that with Christianity. You know, what do I have to do? I mean, how do I have to shine? Listen, listen, you're a jar of clay. And all you got to do is let the light of Christ shine. And let it be warm and beautiful. Shine through the brokenness. Shine through your cracks and your kinks in your armor. Don't try to elaborate yourself and try to decorate yourself. You say, come look at me. Come look at him. Look at verse 7. You see, because we have this treasure. What is this treasure? This treasure is the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus. We have the treasure of baby Jesus, who really is King Jesus, who really is the light of the world, who really is the only one who's given us life and meaning. We have this treasure in jars of clay in our bodies. Unbelievable present that God has given us. And sometimes, sometimes we think that the treasure is the jar of clay. And sometimes we forget the treasure is really the relationship with Christ inside of us. This week I got home late one night and I was trying to catch the Magic score. And I turned on the TV and I just missed it. And uh, what was coming on? I wasn't really paying attention, but it eventually caught my attention was a show that was coming on right after it named Wicked. And it was celebrating darkness. It was celebrating the fact that, that they thought that there was light and darkness and we can laugh and be entertained on the wickedness of life. I said, I can't believe it. So let me spin the dial. Well, I guess we don't spin dials much anymore, but I don't have a remote control on this one, so I'm standing like this on the TV and I'm spinning the dial this way and I, I come upon a, a show that's showing an operation. Why do we show those things on TV, you know? I mean, what are we thinking I don't want to look at those things. They scare me, and I, they give me the heebie-jeebies, I'm doing this the whole time. But it, it was showing me, it was showing us, it was, it was a breast augmentation, and it was just really <laughs> gross. I mean, it's pulling skin this way, and, and, and it, was, it was bad news, and, and I, it broke my heart. I so said, look at the wickedness, and look at the treasure that we have on the outside. And they bring in the boyfriend, and, and they bring her after her surgery. She looks like she got hit by a truck. Oh, honey, oh, honey, you're so beautiful. She's got stuff coming out of her mouth. I'm like, you kidding me? And so I changed the channel a couple, and there's, there's a lady getting a facelift. And, and, and they're showing it again. I'm like, gross! We have a tendency to treasure the jar of clay, and not to treasure... Of Christ inside of us. We see, unbelievably, we are the stewards of this great treasure. We are the stewards. Each one of us has been given this treasure. You want to know why? Listen, we've been given light to shine. We've been given this treasure. You ready for this? To enrich the earth. We've been given this treasure of Christ to enrich the earth. And however God has uniquely gifted you, he wants you to use that treasure for the betterment of this dark world. To invest it. And that's what we have the privilege of doing. And I'm so excited. We're investing our treasures. We bring our coats to Armenia. We invest our treasures as we bring sneakers. I got a call from Joe this morning. Early this morning, and he sounded terrible. He's in Mexico. But he was so excited. You know how many shoes we gave away to the orphanage in Mexico? We asked for 70. You know how many we got? 340. That's investing the treasure that God has given us and every kid there got shoes and they were able to put some on the shelf and they took some to the, uh, to the uh, street ministry kids and gave away 40 more pairs. That's taking the treasure that God has given us in the gospel and showing it in word and deed. It's taking the treasure wherever we can go and investing it intentionally in the lives of others and investing our gifts for the king and his kingdom. Where are we to take this treasure The treasure of Christ, listen, my brothers and sisters, far as the curse is found. Is the light of Christ and the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus, shining in your life? Is it shining in your heart? If it's not, today's the day. If the light of Christ hasn't come yet today, surrender your life. Say, I'm still in darkness, Jesus. Come and shine your life into my darkness. Give me life. Give me beauty. Give me meaning. Make me a part of the real Christmas story. But for all of us who are, by God's grace, a part of this story, listen, we are now called to dance for him. We are now called to shine for him. Another one of my favorite ornaments is this figurine. I know it's a little girly, so don't make fun of me. It's a ballerina. And really, it's, it's kind of a useless ballerina by itself, but when you plug it into the light, it spins and it dances And it's beautiful. And really, that's the Christmas story. God created us to dance. He's created us to be beautiful. He's created us to have meaning. He's created us to have life. And the only way we do it is when we're plugged into the light. The light of Christ that shines even into our own hearts. Do you know that light? Are you reflecting that light? Are you walking in that light? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the incredible, incredible story that the same light that created the world shines into our hearts and recreates us into a place where our hearts can be a place where God and man can dwell. And God, you've given us this light to shine and you've given us this treasure to invest. And God, you now call us to be the light of the world for your glory, come and shine afresh upon us so that others will know the truth and they too can be a part of the Christmas story. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Now listen, we got another song to sing and it's good. All right, we got, it's, it's, it's right at the noon hour and my man Robert's got to come and tell us a little bit more of how we're shining um, uh, for Christ in Eatonville and beyond. And so Robert, come up. I'm so proud. Joe's down in Acapulco shining for Jesus. We got our pastor shining all over the place. And this man, has he not been shining for Jesus? No. It's been exciting stuff to see him. Come tell us. Hey,
1: good morning. Um, before I do that, I do want to share some encouraging stories with you, but I also want to share um, a couple of important uh, dates and times um, from your bulletin for what's coming up at the end of the year. In the bulletin on the inside flap are the dates and times for the rest of the year. And the point I want to make is that Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve both fall on a Sunday this year. And so we are going to celebrate together worship as a big family. And so we're going to have one worship service. So the 24th, 31st, only one worship service at 1045. And there's no equipping center. So next week will be the last uh, Sunday for the regular schedule and the last equipping center for the year. And also note that on the 31st, that's the fifth Sunday of the month, and typically there's no children's church on that Sunday, uh, just for the uh, four- and five-year-olds, but no Sunday uh, church for the, uh, for the other children. Um, also want to point out Christmas Eve service, uh, one 1045 service. In the morning, 2 in the evening, 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. So come out and bring your neighbors. Um, It's a wonderful way. uh, People want to come out uh, for Christmas and Easter, so bring your neighbors to that. Um, Just as Jeff said, um, we're supposed to shine uh, in the darkness. And Orangewood, um, you've been doing that. And I want to give you some stories um, of encouragement about what's happening in our congregation. Just give me a few moments and enjoy uh, a few of these um, highlights. Um, You know, before before I start, keep in mind that God has given us gifts, the value of which are beyond calculation. When we were in darkness, he gave us light. And when we were broken, he healed us. And when we were wandering off, he sought after us. When we were in peril, he rescued us. And when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And yes, it is a time of giving. God has given to us priceless gifts. And let us have that attitude as we give uh, this season. One event that's coming up this week is the Jobs Partnership Graduation. It's at 7 p.m. Tuesday night at the Life Center in Eatonville. We have brought, started with 41 students, have brought them through a three month program of teaching them what it means, what the Bible says, what God says about what it means uh, to work as a Christian in the workplace and giving them some practical skills. And it has been nothing short of absolutely amazing. We have had 23 uh, members of Orangewood who have joined the leadership team and the mentoring team and the job counselor team in order to show these students what life can be like. Let me tell you a few things of what uh, the students shared uh, this last Thursday night. One of them, when asked what this course has meant to them, they said simply one word, hope. One of the students who said she was, uh, she's a maid, she's been working as a maid, she didn't even think that she was worthy of attending the class and worthy of being in the same room with the other students because her self-esteem was so low. Last Thursday night at the job fair, she was beaming with confidence, and she said, I know now that I'm a child of Christ, that my job as a maid is as important and significant as any other job, and I know that I'm working for Jesus and not just for my employers, but that's not going to stop me from now pursuing my dream of working in an office one day, and she's going to make it. You know, there's another student, a young man in his young 20s, and he said before he started this class, he didn't even know why he was in the class, and he had an attitude. But as he got, was going through this class, he was faithful in attending, um, but halfway through the class, he was in a horrible home situation. His brother was shot to death in Pine Hills, and the next day, he still came to class, And the mentors and the job counselors and the leaders gathered around him and prayed for him. And they followed up every day, talking to him and telling him to stick it out and to put his faith in Christ. And last week, he gave a testimony that would knock you out of your chairs. And he said, I never would have said this to anyone before. He said, but I love each and every one of you who have helped me through this. And you are my true family. Incredible. Um, I'll tell you one story, one of my favorite stories about um, uh, one of our members who's here today, Lauren Carter. We had to rearrange. Some of the students had dropped out. And we had to rearrange the students at different tables... And Nakia came up to um, Becky, who's helping us coordinate, and said, Becky, something's wrong. Um, I've, been, I've been reassigned to another table, and, and I've been with Lauren the whole time, and, and we have to do something to get me back at that table. And, we said, and Becky said, no problem, Nakia. We'll, we'll make the arrangements. We'll change it. Go, go ahead and sit down with Lauren. And when she saw Lauren, she ran up to her and threw her arms around Lauren. And when we asked Nakia... Uh, when she came to the question, the curriculum, what person has made the biggest impact in your life? She said, Lauren. It's an incredible opportunity. And listen, if you are in a job, if you are in the marketplace, and particularly if you have the uh, power to hire or consider for hiring students, come on Tuesday night. You will be inspired and you will be uplifted and perhaps you can give a gift this Christmas that would be extraordinary, the gift of a good job with benefits. You know, I've, um, I want to tell you one other thing, and I know we're going a little late, but let me tell you another story about what happened to Thanksgiving. Um, every year, the Greater Orlando Food Bank does a food drive at the school. And the director of the organization, um, I talked to him, and he said, you know, and he was very respectful, don't get me wrong, but he respectfully said, you know, we have, uh, Orangewood Christian School has not really done that great of a job at collecting meals for Thanksgiving. We've collected about, in the past, about 10 meals total. And he said that most of the public schools collect, collect about 10 times that amount. Well, that's the kind of thing I don't like to hear. And so my holy jealousy was aroused, and one day on my way to work, instead of turning toward the church, I turned toward the school, and I uh, talked to the headmaster, and I said, what can we do about this? She called an emergency student council meeting of the middle schoolers, and I threw out the problem to them, and we had a meeting. I said, what can we do to bring honor to Christ this year? And it was incredible, the ideas, the clever ideas that they came up with, and they went to work. Well, four days before we were supposed to collect uh, the food and bring them over to the food bank, I got a a call from the school that said, we need somebody to come and collect the bags right now because we're having trouble walking the halls, and it's a fire hazard. So we called them in, and they came in and collected all the bags, and were amazed, and they and they brought them to the food bank. Two days later, I got the same call: we need to empty the hallways. On the day that they came to pick up the rest of the meals, they had to rent a U-Haul truck so that they could collect the three to four hundred meals that were collected. <laughs> Praise God. As exciting as it is that 300 families got meals that Thanksgiving, even more exciting was to see our young leadership who are finding ways to put their faith into action. And that is beautiful. Orangewood, I'm just going to finish with this. It has been a fantastic year. There are, there's, a, there's a certain individual who led a national organization, a national ministry... Who has been, who left that position so that he could um, try to put together a, a coalition of churches around the city who can strategically put together a plan to reach the city for Christ? And after three or four months of his meeting, he came and gave me a call and we met and he said, to my amazement, and really probably beyond really how we should be honored, but he said, all fingers are pointing to Orangewood. There is no, there's no church that I've found in this city that is mobilizing their congregation to show acts of love in such a powerful way. And we want to know what you're doing. Orangewood, I thank you. You should, you should, you should be honored by, by what we've accomplished. And um, it's been a privilege to work with you. And I hope you're inspired by what's happening and that you will just continue on uh, bringing darkness, I'm sorry, bringing light into the darkness of this world. Excuse me. (laughs) Thank you, brothers and sisters. Amen.